You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Okay, Sid Talk, remember last week when I said I didn't know what this week's movie would be? Remember when we were telling the, everybody what movie it was going to be? And, I, and you said, oh, that's terrible. And I, I vaguely remember, yeah. Well, I didn't have a... I didn't know which what it was going to be. I said, oh, I'll pick a good one for you. Well... And you did. I probably picked the ultimate one for you. For me. So, well, let's not tell them what it is. Let's leave it as... Let's just it. talk and hint at what it is the whole time. And never actually say. <laughs> <laughs> the title of the podcast might give it away, but still. Yeah, it would. Anyway, um... I just say, this one's for you. Thank you. All right, so it's Sunday, September the 27th, 2009. This is after the show number 89. And this week, we are reviewing not just a Blu-ray disc. (laughs) It's a... All right, it's the Wizard of Oz 70th Anniversary Ultimate Collector's Edition Blu-ray disc, which is... It's a big box thing, which we'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. Um... So the year of release for this movie is 1939, so it's quite a new recent release. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's been around. And it's released on DVD and Blu-ray in these Ultimate Collector's box sets this Tuesday, the 29th of September, which marks the 70th anniversary of the movie. Right. Um, And it's from our friends at Warner Brothers. Uh, It's Blu-ray and DVD. And they're limited numbered. um, There's a lot of them. Yes. But there are numbered, uh, so once they're gone, they're gone. And what's our number, did you say? Like 12,759 or something? Oh, 243,000 or whatever it is. So you're going to tell us what this movie is, Mm. and uh, we'll go from there. I feel like there's just no discussion for this movie. It just should be left on its own, so that's it. That's pretty much the Goodbye. (laughs) No. What is this movie? Or what is synopsis. this movie to me? Okay, synopsis. Uh, this is a... Okay, the story of the movie. You know everyone knows this. Why am I telling Some you? Some people might have never seen this movie. Just to stick to the little thing on the thing? Okay. Yeah. Someone might have never seen it, but they still know. Dorothy Gale is a young teenage girl living on a farm, feeling a bit disenchanted because of the nasty lady who wants to take away her dog. She then feels rebellious and wants to leave... She tries to run away, then a tornado comes, and in the midst of the tornado process, she... This is where I was confused as a kid, because I never really pieced it together till I was an adult. Honestly, I'm totally being honest here. She gets banged on the head, then that, that looked pretty severe, to be honest. It didn't look like maybe on, like, a <laughs> Like somebody really, somebody really threw the uh, window frame at her head. Banged the her whole head. thing. Like. But until I was older... I'll be very honest, I didn't piece any of this together. I didn't... I don't know if I was always just waiting to get to Oz or what the deal was, but she gets banged in the head, then she wakes up and she's in the house in the cyclone, as they call it, and subsequently lands in the land called Oz. She has uh, a little bit of a problem with a wicked witch. Let me just add that this is a true story. This is a true story. Mm Mm-hmm. Based, yeah, <laughs> it's a lie. When you watch it, it'll actually be happening somewhere in the world. It's a reality show, yeah. Yeah. Gone. Most, it'll be an interesting one, that's for sure. And 
She's in Oz. She meets some interesting characters. She's trying to get home all the time. And it's really hard for me to describe because it's like it it sucks the life out of it. When you just start picking it apart, it, it is what it is. It, That's it. It's colorful and exciting. And I feel like I'm violating some sort of personal thing by, like... Probing it. Yeah. Don't probe it. it. Poking it and probing it. So that's it, you know? Right, so, that's all okay. I'm going to say. So... It's based on a book. So if you want to read the book and see all these other movies about it, and this movie, it, this movie isn't the only telling of this story. We'll put it that way. But it's based on a movie from 40 years prior. Or all right, let's so go into the movie. Um, I just want to say to our listeners, you're probably going to hear Sid talk, talk a lot about this rather than me this week because <laughs> it means a lot to... Her, and which she will explain in a minute. Um, and to me, too. Anyway, the movie itself... But in a different way. Diff- memories from me... I mean, yeah, it's not my favourite, favourite movie. Um, but it still has a place somewhere for me. Like, what's your story of when you watched it I watched it, Bank Holiday Mondays, as a child in England. It's always on the TV. In fact, sometimes it was on more than once in a day because it was on one channel and then you'd flip over and it'd be on another channel. So, every I, bank holiday. Yeah, I, I even think it still is Christmases as well. Uh, mainly Christmases, and it was on more than once over the Christmas period. Um, and I watched it every time it was on. You know, as a kid, I remember sitting down and oh, Wizard of Oz is on. We'll watch it. Um, what so, do you remember as the elements that really? I just liked the idea of the tornado and the colorful. It wasn't really the songs or anything for me. It was like the. It's kind of action-packed. Now, this time when I watched it, because I've not seen it for 20 years, I reckon. I don't think I've really seen it. The whole part with the monkeys and the castle, it was very vague to me, that part. It almost felt like I was watching a a deleted scene. Right. Because I was like, wow, really? Was this involved? I always thought it was a tiny little thing, but it was quite involved. A big, elaborate set piece. Yeah. So... You know, that was kind of like watching something new for me today. But, um, no, I just had a, the overall vibe of it. And when I think about it now, I actually really like the songs. Yeah, you said. They're yeah. like, they stand up. I mean, it really does. I mean, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It's classic. It's, it's, but is it classic because we've made it that way? Yeah. It's We're to enchanted do with, it's by to it because of the yeah. history. Yeah, so everything I'm going to say is going to be colored by a lifelong history of my love of... Not just the movie itself, because watching it today at 41, almost 42, I can separate the, barely, I can barely separate let me just, the ooh and ah. Let me just uh, fill something in for the listeners here. You um, have a sealed box in the garage mm, yeah. <laughs> that contains just Wizard of Oz memorabilia. Correct. So that's where you are. Correct. You're not just you're not just somebody who watched The Wizard of Oz. No, no, no. You you have. Stuff. I have probably. I would say if I cracked that open, it's not sealed like a time capsule or something, but it's in a big tub. It's Wizard of Oz. It's there's oh, a lot yeah, of stuff. A bunch in of it. puzzles and ornaments and posters. And when I was in college, I made an effort to go to the bookstore and overcharge my account, knowing I would probably never pay it back because you get a card and you can charge stuff to your like student account. I bought every Wizard of Oz posters they had put them up on my walls in my dorm room, and then I carefully took we, them with me for the next 20 we years. We had a Wizard of Oz We have one. It's in the uh, Why theater Why is that room. not up somewhere? It is. It's downstairs on the bathroom wall in the theater park. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's where it is. Now it's relegated to the bathroom. Yeah. But <laughs> that room needed some life, and that's what... Only only ladies would really see that picture. Because <laughs> I have my back to it. 
<laughs> True. That's why I don't let you it. dig a crap in there. Yeah. But and then, you know, through my childhood, because okay, I'll start with the first memories. And this was actual. I have very few distinct memories of childhood. I mean, I just do. I don't know. They're they're very compartmentalized. I don't know why, but they just are. So do but I. I distinctly remember pulling my grandma's ottoman footstool thing to the middle of the living room. On my knees, leaned over it, with my elbows on the thing, and my chin in my hands, and watching their console TV, which is one of those that sits on the floor with the wood grain all over it. This was early 1970s, mid-1970s. I was like six, five, six, seven years old. And it would come on, and, you know, it's hustle and bustle. It was always Christmas. Christmas Eve is when we went to my grandma's house. So it was always people everywhere. And I, I was like, it's like myself got consume like sucked in like there was a tunnel vision you know that's all i could see in here and i just remembered the whole time and then of course there were commercials we didn't have bbc so there were commercials and every time a commercial caught on somebody would come over to the tv and try to turn the channel or something because we had no remote controls or anything then and it would just i would just like guard it you know <laughs> like no I'm watching what it was. Well, you know and just i just remember that so distinctly and then once they'd moved to a different house and it just started. Our house was like an hour away, and my father wanted to leave for some reason. It was in the evening or whatever, and I was like, "No, I just started watching the was. And he was all pissed and like, "No, we can watch it when you get there." I'm like, "But," and I'm calculating in my mind how much I'm gonna miss. And I'm thinking, I said, I remember thinking, by the time we get home, it'll be time, and she'll it'll be like the time when they take the stick back to the wizard, and then it'll be over. I mean, I was already knew exactly where I was, you know, and I was just. I was really heartbroken, and I believe I cried and whined so much that my mom ended up letting me stay all night with my grandparents that night so I could stay and watch that. And my grandpa was like, oh, I'll let her stay. Let her. And it was his TV, the only TV he had. But he was willing to sit in his chair after Christmas was all over and all the and family we, and let me sit there and watch it all. So. We were saying earlier that this was actually before you could own a home video version. Oh, yeah. you only We only ever saw it on Christmas. So there was no actual... You didn't even have a we video recorder. You know, we didn't have bank holidays or anything that you're talking about. It was only on Christmas Eve. And, you know... So, and yes, I used to cry and whine to get my way. And uh, not a lot has changed. <laughs> I was going to say, what's new? <laughs> So those, maybe, you know, whatever I've attached to those moments and times and being just captivated by it. And I have no explanation. Cause, and I do credit that movie for making me a movie person. Because it so completely took me away. Swept me away, as you would say, with the witch's broom or a tornado or whatever. It, it just made me want more. More movies. More movies. I want to see more things. I want to see more, more, more. So, and I think every time I remember watching it, and as an adult even watching it, something different jumps out at me. This time was kind of emotional, because I was trying to think of, you know, the actual, her in the story. You know, I'm trying right. to be that, sort of, like, actually get in there and think about it, and I was, I don't know, I don't, <laughs> it's kind of, like, endless. And then I realized, as I'm watching this, I swear to God, and I'm not this type of person. I'm not, I mean, I have the tub of stuff in the garage put away, right? It's not mm -hmm. displayed. It's not, I don't have a Dorothy costume in my closet. I don't have ruby slippers on display. However, if I had ever started down that path of being, like, a serious collector and one of those people who, who just clings to it and goes to every convention and goes to the dresses like, for Wizard of Oz parades, and I, I think I could. 
I can see the appeal and I see so many groovy things and so I have to really think now I don't need all that stuff but it draws me to I do think the ruby it. slippers are a cool um, I was thinking I sh- my next Nike shock should just be a bright red pair and that'll be my ruby slippers so they that should, I can wear them they should do a uh, sparkly version 70th anniversary <laughs> Wizard of Oz pair of train sneakers I don't think there's any way to talk about this movie from me in a way that is about talking about a movie it's not the greatest movie ever made it's got a lot of then again, it, I think for the times, and I've seen a lot of movies from the 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, and... Yeah, I we are think, talking 1939. Right, exactly. And... There's everything in this movie. There's a lot special of quality. Special effects, it. musical tunes. It's epic, like huge scale. There's like hundreds of extras on the screen at once. Yeah, lots of dialogue even. And you get a lot of the mixture of, excuse me, theatrical acting, like very from the yeah. teens and 20s and 30s, you know, the over... Obviously, very physical, the physicality of it all. But I think Judy Garland, even a lot of the lower talking moments, they're not that over the top. But then again, I might be applying my own little filter. But I just think it's stand up. If you watch other movies from that time period, it's really going to stand out to you about the different type of acting and performing that was. I mean, this has a. You can. You know, you're watching something. Oh, totally. Now, some moments you wouldn't. I think you would. You can get lost in it and not think. And then there are other moments when you are reminded, you know, like when Glenda, I think she's one of the most stands out to me with the, you know, oh, Dorothy, you know, like, and she does her hands and she's very grand and, but that's her character. And yet I really see that as a time stamp, you know, her acting and um, the, the dancing, the the Scarecrow particularly seems to me very vaudevillian, you know? Yeah, well, I'm thinking if you didn't know it was from 1939, especially the version we just watched now, I don't think you could place a a specific year on it. It's hard to... I think that the... somewhere between the... Farm scene stamps it more. Yeah. But then again, it could be a period piece. Yeah, yeah. It could have been made in the late 40s and yet being flashing back, you know, to the... But that, to me, is a, is a, a time stamp, you know, just the... The look of the clothing and... Because once you get to Oz, you know, all bets are off. Although I was thinking, like, when you get to the Emerald City, everyone's wearing, like, what now is a popular uniform-looking kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Lots of buttons and, like, military-looking things. And I'm thinking... Oh, circusy, oh, this oh. is actually just a decade or, or more. I guess World War One was in the 10-19s, right? I don't know when World War One was, but it's out between that and World War Two. Lots of military in the world things going on. So I was thinking about the fashion. Like, where do they come up with that? Because just the citizens of Emerald City are dressed in sort of Renaissance, pre-Renaissance looking outfits mixed with this military look. That looked like ahead of the time, like the ones with the Oz logo on them. I I thought that that, they kind of looked like from people from the 50s. Like that kind (laughs) of deal. I mean, that kind of... I don't know what what you call it, but there was that kind of... It seemed ahead of its time there in, in a few of those costumes. And I was thinking, wow, this wasn't... What do you think about... You just said that. I've never thought about this before. Why would they... Oh, Oz is the land they live in. But that's kind of like a branding, isn't it? Back in the day. It was all... It's like me wearing like a Mizzou totally, shirt. Or like a Missouri yeah, yeah. shirt. <laughs> you know, like, woo, I live in Oz. I'm going to wear it on my shirt. That seems really funny to me. You can probably buy those Oz shirts now. See, I would wear a t-shirt that has Oz on it. I might not buy the typical things. Like I said, I would like to have an actual replica of the... What's that called? Egg timer. 
the timer. Yeah, it's not an egg timer. <laughs> it's a big egg timer. Yeah, the hourglass and yeah. the flower that they stand under when they when she's standing there with good Glenda. You know, the big weird kind of daisy sunflower looking flower that they're under under. And there was something else that I said. Oh, Captain Mar the Captain Marvel, not Captain Marvel, but um. The amazing Marvel guy, his little trailer that she goes to when she runs away. Oh, yeah, yeah, Would yeah. love to have a little... That, I think, is really cool. And on the side, I never noticed before. This is more stuff because of the Blu-ray thing, which I'm sure you'll get into. The look of things. I actually instantly noticed. First, I'll say, on the side of the wagon, I didn't realize there was so much stuff written on there. I'd only ever noticed that oh. it said Marvel and the heads of Europe or whatever. But then you can see now... It says on the side, uh, hot air balloon exhibitionist, mm-hmm. which of course then links you back to, you know, whatever. And there's lots of other stuff written on there, which I never noticed before. And then the, uh, are we going to talk about the Blu-ray? Is I think we'll talk point? about that after the cast when we get into okay. the extras and stuff. So let's move I on. could go on forever. So I, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> let, this has got a lot of stuff to talk about, actual on this product kind of thing. So let's yeah. go on to the cast. This quickly. is not product, young man. Well, you know... Someone has packaged it. That's fine. This is not a product. Let's go on to the cast. Uh, Julie Garland as Dorothy Gale. Julie? Did you say Julie? Judy. <laughs> I did say Julie. But you had, like... Bubbles. Bubbles going all over the place. You had to learn to read through them. Judy Garland as uh, Dorothy Gale. I'd like to have the cover of that book as a poster, in fact. I've seen that as a poster. It's laying over there. You can get... Anyway, Julie... Judy Garland <laughs> as Dorothy Gale. Correct. Comments. Just... Yeah, I don't think there's, you know, it's, it's what it is. It's really, you know, you can't. Other than, I think, watching her now as a grown-up, and I've seen thousands of movies, and she was 16 years old at the time, combine the style of acting and performing with what kind of, that we know now, the dramas and behind-the-scenes shit that was going on, changing directors, there was lots of turmoil, there was lots of, like, ruckus going on, and here's a 16-year-old girl in the middle of it all. I think that... It must have been a, a torturous thing a little bit because she was, you know, she's the focal point of the whole movie. And yet, at times I think to myself, I never realized she was only 16. So I always thought she was older playing a younger girl. Now I know she's 16. I think she does awesome because you just don't, you know. Did, does she actually sing the songs? Mm-hmm. It's really her recording yeah. voice, so yes. yeah, I, I was wondering about that because she sounds older when she sings. And I was that was thinking, one of the reasons why she was such a big star because she had that older sounding voice. Because like when she was on... singing, I was thinking, is that really her voice coming out of her? How could you even question that? Oh my god! I just god. needed to know that. The whole world. I'm obviously, so embarrassed. She, obviously, she didn't sing it live on the set. <laughs> she recorded it. I'm on so embarrassed. So it was a record too, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. of course. So, uh, and then we've got Frank Morgan as the Wizard of Oz. And various other parts. Various other people. I also never pieced that together as a child. No, I didn't. Nope. The only thing I pieced together was that when she wakes up and he's there, he was the Marvel and the Wizard. I never right. realized for probably ten years of my youth that he was the guy at both doors, he was the guy who drove the carriage, none of that. No, no. So, it was like a discovery for me. One time I remember watching it going like, oh, that's the guy! And like then a these, sixth sense moment. And then, um, like, well, <laughs> yes, but that's what I'm saying. Every time I've watched it in my life, something cops up, but yeah. he's, he's a very vaudevillian to me, old school. They all are. Loud. Uh, every, 
every bit of dialogue is a a monologue at someone, if you know what I mean. He's oh, not totally. talking with someone. He's performing his lines at someone and blah, blah, blah. My favorite part of his, of course, is when he's, he's explaining, you know, you don't need a brain and you don't need a heart. And I like that part of his the best. I thought he, it's the mo- it draws me in a lot. Uh, I, I, no, I don't want to give it away. People without brains do an awful lot of talking. That's a different part, but I love that. And too. then we've got the Scarecrow, the Cowardly Lion, and the Tin Man, the uh, trio. They have names. Played by... <laughs> that, that's what's happening. Uh, Ray Bulger, Jack Haley, and Bill... Uh, sorry, and Bert Lahr. Correct. Um, you know, all... Uh, it's hard, hard to say anything about anybody because of... Uh, I think Bert Lahr, and I also never realized till. Probably the last the 10 or 15 years, yeah, as I'm watching it, that his part seems bigger because he gets more songs. He gets, like, the big thing about, would you be afraid of a hippopotamus? Yeah. You know, that. And then he gets his song, and he gets the whole sequence of getting his nose slapped. And he also gets more attention drawn to him when he's afraid, when he goes to see the wizard, and then when he runs away and jumps through the window. And he's the one that pulls him up the hill. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like... He, of the three now in the books, I think maybe he was more of a focal. I'm not sure, but I think. No, have you never read the book? No. Why? Because I just want the movie do you to own be the what book? it is. I do not. Interesting. <laughs> what kind of a fan are you? I'm a movie fan. What's in your box? I'm a movie fan. You've not fan. got the um, book. J- jigsaw puzzles, Christmas ornaments. I think there's a couple of posters, a couple of collectible things. Um, and then me, you know, I like cheap crappy stuff so I have postcards and party stuff I've cut out of magazines I have party plates party cups party hats I think that's in the 1998 when that when it was re-released about them um, you know not not I have a few collectible things but uh, and I have ornaments that my friend uh, Richard and my sister had bought me a few years ago for Christmas you know that you plug yeah, into I the light socket I still do one and it says uh, that's the horse of it didn't kind of leave yeah, yeah. About. you know got that that lights up and stuff there's loads of little things in there uh, and finally, I had down no book. Billy Burke as Glinda. Um, what about Margaret Hamilton? And you've already mentioned Margaret oh, Hamilton. She's the Wicked Witch of the West. Exactly. Good Lord. She's the one, I think, who suffered probably the most. Maybe uh, Jack Haley with the makeup, because the makeup wasn't... Yeah, it looked you know, kind of uncomfortable. It looked nasty, didn't mm. it? When you, On Blu-ray, you're seeing... Do you know what I kept thinking about the uh, lion? I bet he smells... I bet that thing smells that he's in. Because I imagine how sweaty you would be. But it uh, weighed a lot, and it huh. somehow had like a built-in something to keep him cool. But it weighed like I a lot. Say, it must have been. And it still exists, but it's like kind of like worn out because it's real fur, and it hadn't been kept kid care of or something for a while, and it got kind of like that weird. It's Funky. falling apart. Yeah. And he did that thing on his face. You know that. Yeah, big, yeah. And it looked really good. Like yeah. I was thinking, all the makeup would look crap. Tin Man. Is the least appealing to me. But. Just looks like sna- somebody snazzarooed his face. It does, with, yeah. With some face. They did that on Mythbusters once because the myth was that if you covered that, he got some kind of oxygenation poisoning from that, and the like lady did too. So they painted that woman on Mythbusters, I don't remember her name, completely all over with some kind of body paint that had metal in it. Didn't do anything. Didn't kill her. <laughs> Same as this Goldfinger, the thing yes, about Yes, yes. Yes. Covering the and she suffocated, doesn't work. Right. So, um, directed director. I mean, this is one of the most famous movies ever, Wizard of Oz. But I bet if I asked ten people who's the director of Wizard of Oz, nobody would know. 
I bet they wouldn't. No, none of them. Yeah. Unless they were a fan. Um, it's directed by Victor Fleming, who was a director back in the day who also directed the very original Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and the original Treasure Island, the ones from the 30s, 40s. Um, I'm not sure if Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde was the first one ever. Oh, do you think there was one before? I 19- think there were some in the early days of film. They made some. Some people did, yes, but you know what I mean. Well, around, the ones that were Major released releases, around his, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, can't really say a lot about him because I haven't seen other stuff. Well, he came on board. He's the third director, of course. Anyone who's a fan of this movie will have investigated these things. It was like a very tumultuous uh, movie making process. It went double the budget and all that kind of stuff. And this is the third director because it wasn't coming together very well. And I think this guy's like one of those kind of controlling, uh, meticulous, like an early Hitchcockian kind of guy. Do you know what I mean? Like real, uh, like they repaved the entire Yellow Brick Road even after they had already started principal photography because, as we read in that book, he didn't like that the bricks were rounded on the corners uh-huh. and he had it repaved and then reshot everything. So it was particular. Right, and so I don't know. So that's good, uh, because the finished product turned out good. Do you think that in the studio days, which is what that was, that any director truly would stand out other than... No, it wasn't the, you it know wasn't I mean? the era where, you, where they said, such and such a director, go and see his movie. It wasn't that, was it? No, it was, it's more like the story of... The tyrannical directors and the more famous directors, the people who were caricatures themselves, caricatures, and then people would go see their movies because they were not because it was distinctive, like mm. the film, but that that person. But I mean, like famous. when we watched American Werewolf in London a couple of weeks ago, and we saw that like little promotional film where it's like John Landis, the is he, you know, right, like selling it off the back of a director. I don't think that ever happened. Who again? His movies aren't stamped as a John Landis movie necessarily. No, but they were trying to sell it, saying right. like, "Here's John Landis. He's making a movie. Watch it." I think it's. I mean, I'd have to look back over the history of movies I have seen and try to pick out if, directorially speaking, they have distinctions. Because a lot of it was, it's a package. I mean, obviously Alfred Hitchcock The studio puts does. together... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe that was the start of, like, directors stumping themselves That's in. what I'm saying. Maybe there were before, and I just don't know. Yeah, so. possibly. In fact, probably. Somebody yeah. probably did it before. Um, so, moving on to the, this actual release, uh, Blu-ray. Not to mention all the, the people who played the Munchkins. That's the cast that... Which we'll talk about in these extras, because yeah, there yeah. is some... Um, so, it is uh, one of Warner's big box sets deals um there's going to be a, another one next month which is gone with the wind i'm um, excited to see that again yeah yeah and i've never seen it oh it you will be amazed i'm not kidding you this is a little side mark you'll be amazed as i was when i watched it you'll be like holy crap this is totally more dramatic and ahead of its time than i ever could imagine well we'll be probably cover that so <laughs> this is a wizard of Oz box it comes in a big box like a yes yeah, fairly big box um, numbered limited edition deal, the Blu-ray version. Uh, first off, let's talk about the picture quality and audio quality, which I think is mind-blowing for <laughs> the... I've never seen the movie look like that. No, never. Because we just watched it on the big screen. But um, it's mind-blowing. It doesn't look like a movie that's 70 years old at all. Like, I mean... No. They've taken out every little everything. noise, every little wrinkle, every little... Dirt spot, everything. I mean, it's, we were also saying it was remastered ten years ago-ish. 
Um, and we saw a clip from that one, and that one looks nothing like this one. Exactly. I mean, the, 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 well, that one didn't even, to me, on that thing we were watching, it didn't look like much had been done to it at all. It just looked like the TV version I'd always seen. With the crackly sound yep. and the very dirty picture. Now, this one is pristine. I, I was really hard... I couldn't spot anything wrong with it. I was watching all the time. Now, only thing I did notice was they used two different kinds of film stock for the sepia scenes at the beginning and end and the technicolor parts. So they did look different, mm-hmm. but that was supposed to be like exactly. that because they were two different types of film. Um, one looked a bit more grainier where one is really pristine. Um, the colors... Because the sepia, the beginning, people call it black and white. It's not black and white. It was no, filmed in color and then filtered with sepia and on a different thing so that it kind of gave a little bit of uh, mushiness, just a slight, yeah. tiny, tiny. But it, looks, it still looks great. Oh, yeah, it looks great. In fact, I thought the special effects and stuff were going to look like like Dumb. the worst thing ever <laughs> because of it being so clean, you know, the image. But I don't think they did. I, I think some of it was like, when it was the part with the tornado. Oh, the my background, God, it was awesome. I was actually thinking, how did they even do that? Because that just looks really good. It was. It yeah. was really... And the wind and the sound, yeah. all of it. And they use all original sound, so it wasn't like they added anything. Yeah, and... I felt like, holy crap, the severity of that. Because you could see more stuff flying through the air. You could see more of the stuff that's blowing and the sound and of it, it didn't coming look around you. Cheesy. It looked No, it looked real. And I was thinking, I was a bit scared going into watching this, that they, they said, oh, this is the first time in Dolby 5.1 surround sound. I was a bit scared that they were going to overdo that. And then as soon as it started, I was like, okay, no, they didn't. Because it still has that tinny sound of an old movie. Mm-hmm. It's not, like all, it's of, it's not like all of a sudden everything's like crazy all around you and it's like... Boo, boo, boo. No, no. And it's mostly in front, just like, like a mono They didn't sound, spoil but... that at all. And then a guy on one of the extras said, we could make this like something you've never seen before. I'm glad they didn't. Because it, it preserves it, but makes it better. Right. Um, but the, the colour, like the technicolour part... Um, well, all of it's Technicolor when it is in color. Yeah. The colors on the blu- on Blu-ray are just insane. Like, it just looks... I was looking at it all the time. Like, everybody's costumes stood out more to me. I was like, wow, I didn't realize there was that kind of detail on those Exactly, costumes. and that... It kind of shows the flaws and the amazing things at the same time. When I was looking really close at, like, the Munchkin outfits and... Um, I know we'll, we'll talk also, first but... the, the bat... The, the little glitches I saw. Not glitches, but I mean, when you looked at the, uh, we represent the lollipop guild, right? You could see the line of the latex kind of around yeah, the yeah, face. But I mean, to me, you could barely see it. But that's like, wow, I've never seen that before. So I was a little bit like, ha ha ha. And at the same time, like, wow, that shows you. And then, the good. The scarecrow's face awesome i mean seriously awesome yeah. it's all like got that it actually seems real like it's it's totally um, the way it joins at the neck and everything it's like i couldn't and even think got of it them. and who knows what they had to use back then to glue stuff to their faces but it look i had never noticed that his face had the whole all of it under his eyes around his eyes and i said the one had thing the texture of the burlap and that was one thing that was you noticed and one thing that i noticed was um, when she squirts the Iron Man with the uh, oil can. The Tin Man. Tin Man. Iron Man's Iron a whole Man, other yeah. when, she, when she squirts Robert Downey Jr. under the abs. No, um, when she squirts the Tin Man with the oil can. Now, as far as I was concerned, the oil can made the noise, but there was nothing coming out of it, as far as I remember. 
I saw the oil coming out and dripping under his arms, yes. and I was thinking, wow, that's weird. It was even smeared on his mouth, which I'd she never noticed before. it into his mouth at one point. And he had the rivets on the side of his head that you noticed, and, like, you could see the, where they've put a, a skull cap yeah, on him and painted silver, and you could barely see that, but you could never see that before, and I find that... And another thing I'm I glad noticed. they didn't fix those things. When they were looking at it, they probably like, you know, we could just smooth that out, but I don't want that, because that's... No, I don't think you should touch it. No, no. Make it look... It, I mean, that's how it is. Uh, one thing I also noticed was, like, the Tin Man suit. The When you see him from the back, the he's got, like, plastic underpants on. <laughs> Did you notice that? No. The, the, the part between his... Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, like, folds and it bends. Yeah, it's of. Like, yeah. And his hands. It's like rubber underpants. His gloves are like rubber hands as yeah. well. But, um, yeah, there was absolutely... Um, it's stunning. It, I mean, it's not a widescreen, but that is not... Even the, the monkeys, you know, I've never the flying monkeys. I never noticed Those details on them. I've never the seen the blue faces yeah. and the, yeah, the epithets or whatever they're called on the suits and where the one of them was standing kind of with his back to us while she's <laughs> and you could see where the wing is attached to him and then you could see all the feathers in the wing. I mean, that's just like now maybe because I've only ever watched it on a regular TV or on VHS. And then the DVD that I had, I only ever watched it on... I think I watched it on our 51-inch, but it still wasn't There's something to be said for Blu-ray. Yeah, you totally. See, um, you know, we see a lot of modern-day movies on Blu-ray, and you're just used to them now kind of looking good. Cause, but when you go back and... I think I'm noticing it more now, because we have started to see some older movies, this being the oldest movie we've ever seen on Blu-ray, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think this is where it comes into its own. I mean, if you're a fan of The Wizard of Oz... Because it you brings it to life again. Yeah, yeah, it brings it to life again, and because you know every word and you know every movement of the movie, I, I find myself it gives you looking, something else looking. Yep, yep. What I find myself doing is like um, on that big on the scene where she first get, goes to us, and there's a lot of extras on the screen. Like everybody's pre- pretty much in the movie is on the screen. I found myself. I know what's go. I knew what was going to happen. I found myself just looking in the corners yep, of the screen and people thinking, "Wow, look at them people up there." And totally. Look at that. Yeah. So I. It's like a 10 out of 10 Blu-ray for me, um, actual. And like I say, it, it's not widescreen, it's 4x3. You know, that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, of course. It doesn't make any difference. It's It makes it, it look sharp. I was impressed with the sound. Yes, yeah, surround sound doesn't happen very often. It does a little bit. The subwoofer kicked in when the tornado was going on, but really subtly, I was interested in that too. There was none of the... Uh, if we were watching Transformers, right. for instance, and there was a robot you can walking, feel it in our your whole bones. thing rumbles. <laughs> it wasn't like that, but it was there. I it could... was enough to make you feel like, whoa, and the sound was just piercing enough with the wind, and yeah. it was blowing. So I don't remember the wind being so severe, but then again, it might have been because you, were on a you didn't TV see. As well. <laughs> yeah, and you didn't, you couldn't see all the grains of hay and dirt and stuff that was blowing around in the scene at the time. So for me. Um, as far as Blu-ray picture quality, and this is available on DVD as well, and it is a remastered version, but you're not going to see this kind of quality. But um, it's fantastic. I I never saw a speck of dirt anywhere, and I was looking. <laughs> I was like, and it's such a bright movie as well. There's never a dull, dark moment. It's just bright, colourful. You know, it'd be easy to spot something wrong. Um, no, brilliant. Ten out of ten. The other thing I just thought of that I would like to have as a as a figurine of sorts, would be the sign that says to the witch's castle, I'd turn back if I were you. I like yeah. that too. So, um, yeah, that's Blu-ray. So, uh, we DVD extras, uh, or Blu-ray yeah. extras. There's um, no way. There's yeah, no way. well, let's just explain the box set first. Well, 
you get this in a limited numbered box set, which opens up and it's it's just really well presented. It's like a large cigar box or a humidor. Yeah, kind like of it box. is a cigar box, isn't it? That's <laughs> yeah. what I was thinking. I don't like to associate it with that, but that is what, if you can imagine, that's let me, what it's like. Let me just uh, get this. Thing. And then uh, because of the way they've made it look, if you hold it up vertically, then the back of it looks like an old book. If yeah, you if you put on this on your shelf like this, yeah. uh, it's hard to explain on the fake radio, as GPD would call it. But, nice um, emerald green with the silver lettering everywhere. Embossed. Looks like a book. Um, limited edition, ours is, there's 243,000 worldwide. Ours is 015118. 15,108. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so yeah, it's like a cigar box. It's really well presented. It even comes with like a ribbon so you can take the items out. Um, so inside what you get, for, let's, first off, you get a watch, a wristwatch. Yeah. With real crystals in it. Apparently. It says with real crystals. <laughs> what crystals they are, I don't know. But anyway, it's a nice... Magic, magic timekeeping. It's a nice wristwatch in a um, 70th anniversary tin. This is the noise of the tin. I'm not that interested in the watch because someone in this house refuses to allow me to even use it. Like, it's some kind of precious commodity. So, whatever. Yeah, this, this kit's staying together. We're going to keep it. For what purpose? Explain to me this collector mentality. Now, my tub of stuff downstairs is not collectible stuff. It's all been oh. opened. It's all been looked at. It's all been touched. It's in a tub because I don't want to dust it all the time. Now, that's my. Exactly. I'm not saving it for preciousness. In fact, I'm not opposed to selling it at a garage sale. However, I don't get the mentality of, oh, here's a nice watch. Keep it in the tin. Keep it in the box. Put it away. Never look You'll at it. You'll find me in 20 Because minutes. it's collectible. <laughs> okay, so... Um also, well, first off, there's a digital copy in its own little sleeve uh, if you want to put it on your laptop or your iPod. Um, Soon? No. Not yet. Um, there is... I will put that on my laptop or something else. Yep. Because I will watch it again. There also is... Sorry. The problem is now, I have to go backwards after having seen it like that. Yeah, yeah. Can't it really would only it on be Zoom. for, like, I need a Wizard of Oz fix kind of thing. There's a replica of um, a shooting sheet, I believe they call it. That is the budget. Yeah, yeah, the budget, which yeah. is really interesting if you're a fan, because it's, um, it's a replica of the original, but it ta- it's got details on here, like when, what date they started shooting the movie, how many days they shot it, how much it actually cost to make, and then breakdowns of like how much the meals were on the set. and you know, As an estimated cost versus the actual it's cost. It's really interesting to look at if you are uh, fine and, you know, just cool little. Yeah. Um, and then there's like a coffee table book called uh, Behind the Curtain, The Wizard of Oz, um, Behind the Curtain of Production. And uh, we had a look through it the other day, but yep. it um, chronicles the production in detail, all color, with also other reproductions of paperwork, as in, like, the original notice that they sent out about who would be cast as the members of the, you know, Dorothy and whatnot. Um, and we're talking a uh, quality... It's oh, not yeah, just, it's, it's quality. Not a, not it's a, hard to read, though. I don't like it is, but tiny little print on dark... Um, some of the pages are really hard to read. What I'm getting at is it's not a... Uh, oh, it's quality. Of, it's not a crappy piece of paper thrown no, in. No. It's a proper hard-backed book. Glossy um, print, all that stuff. And then my favorite thing of all in this entire thing is um, it's a replica of the... in the Back in the day, they... they well, this Campaign book. Yeah, campaign book, which is the book that they send to theaters to, uh, to kind of promote The Wizard of Oz. 
Um, like, say I'm a theater owner in 1939. I get this book, and in this book are hundreds, hundreds of ideas. First of all, how to promote the movie. One of them being, like, uh, promote a coloring book contest, you know. And here are all of the printouts that you can order from us of each character in coloring book style. And here's the little order number. You order them from us, and then you do a promotion in your theater to have a coloring contest. And then there are cutouts you can order and posters you can order and newspaper articles you can order. All these newspaper articles that were already written with photos yeah. about behind the scenes and each individual star. And it's a full replica of that whole thing. It kind of folds out and it's got... Yeah. I mean, it's small, but yeah. it shows you what they would have... what the. If we think now that Transformers, for example, just shoves it up your ass every second, that is the equivalent. Because it says, unprecedented, they spend $250,000 at that time. It's just a really, you could sit and look through it. I mean, some of it's very small again, like you say, but... But that was for the purpose of, so you couldn't, like, it shows a little tiny... So you can't reproduce it. Exactly. And I said, at that time, if that was the size of the actual book, there were no computers then. There was no cut and paste. No, no. It was... That would have been a monster of a print project right there. And then but you, it's really awesome. I could get lost in that again and want, look at it all. Yeah, totally. And then you also get the Blu-ray disc set itself, which is in its own... It's not just in paper sleeves thrown in the box. It's in its own, you know, specific Blu-ray um, slipcover with, like, a digipack inside, which is pretty... You know what it's called? Yeah, these are called digipacks where it folds wide open. Um... It's the Blu-ray version, which we're looking at here, comes with three discs. Two of them are Blu-ray discs, and one of them's a DVD, which is exclusive to the Blu-ray version, which is a six-hour documentary, the DVD one, called... What's it called? It's called MGM When the Lion Roars, and it's the complete history of MGM as a studio, presented by Patrick Stewart. Now, it was a TCM mm. miniseries, I believe, um, but that doesn't come on the, in the standard definition version of this, so you need the Blu-ray to get that. But you know, it's a pretty nice. That's pretty good. Six I'm excited to watch that over time. Now, the two Blu-ray discs contain the movie in high definition, as we just said. Um, there's a commentary on the movie by historian John Frick, a historian of Wizard of Oz. There's also a separate music and effects only. You can play with with the movie, so you don't hear the dialogue, just the music and the effects. So you can get a better. If you're really into the, there's a lot of classical music. I mean, composed music in there as well as the songs. So you can watch it like a silent movie. Yeah, yeah. And there's also the original mono track. If you're not, if the 5.1 is sacrilege to you, you can listen to the proper mono track. There's also a Dolby 5.1 sing along feature where you can sing along to the tunes with the bounty ball. Yep. There's now. There's so many extras. Yeah. I think we'll just pinpoint the ones and mention them in the written review this week. You know, yes, I will. What, what they actually are. But um, ones that stick out to us is one that I really liked is called "Prettier Than Ever: The Restoration of Oz." Now, interestingly, it shows you how they, you know, if you're interested in film restoration and how they bring stuff to Blu-ray from it, it chronicles that. What I was a bit disappointed in is it was when they last remastered it. It was a documentary. Well, it was, it's really a featurette, but it was from then and not now. So they talk about how they scanned I'm it in. I'm not sure about that. No, it is because I've got the press release. They mm-hmm. talk about how they scanned it in in 4K resolution. Now, this, well, that means, you know, the 4,000 pixel rev- resolution. Now, they actually scanned the new restoration in 8,000, 8K resolution. And they mention 4K resolution a lot. So it, it's from the last restoration. 
Um, mm. Now, th- there isn't actually many supplements on here that are actually New. applicable to right now. Except there? for the Munchkins Getting the Star. That one is the only one I can really think of that's... Like, because a lot of the extras are actually just taken from previous special editions. But it does put everything in one place. You're really getting everything there is about Oz. Everything. everything. The, some of my favorite things are some of the original films ever made yeah. of, to interpret the book, which are from like 1910, 1914. Really awesome. So this one is covered with all kinds. Of, uh, but like I said, the Prettier Than Ever restoration of Oz I really enjoyed. And then there's We Haven't Really Met Properly, which is the profile galley for it. Um, for each of the cats. That's good. And it's Angela Lansbury does the voiceover. Um, yeah, it's like a little... Like, this is who this person is. Here's some pictures of them. What other stuff they were right. in. Little, little like, secrets as well about them. Like Toto. There's a yeah. secret about Toto, which we won't reveal. You probably already know. Um, and then there's... Oof, there's so much stuff. There's outtakes, deleted scenes. How they did the tornado. Um... There's audio vault stuff, which is like some radio plays uh, and some interviews on the radio from the time. There's all the trailers, like teaser trailers, even up to the trailer where they re-released it in theaters in 1998. But all the way, you know, we saw the teaser trailer from before it came out, which is basically just some words popping up. It says, what is Oz? Oz. Um, Then when you get, so yeah, disc one is chock-packed. You could sit for hours watching. Then you move on to disc two, which is another Blu-ray disc, which contains highlights of is, um, well, there's the Dreamer of Oz, which is the it's a, a full feature film with John Ritter. It's about um, Frank Baum, who yeah, wrote the book. The the writer, yeah, it's his life story, dramatized, you know, a TV movie. But yeah, the full movie is on here. There's also a documentary. Um, called The Wonderful Wizard of Oz Making of the music Movie Classic, which is another... There's a lot of feature-length stuff, longer than the movie, a lot of this stuff. Um, there's L. Frank Baum, The Man Behind the Curtain, like a documentary on the real guy, not a dramatisation. There's Victor Fleming, Master Craftsman. There's a bunch, and these are the things you were just mentioning, black and white, mm. original... Wiz- well, the original version of The Wizard of Oz, which was like 19... 19- 10, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, which... Now, remember, filmmaking only began in the late 1800s. This yeah, was 1910. so this is a silent movie. Yep. With music over it. It's unintentionally hilarious in parts. <laughs> it's weird, but it's <laughs> wonderful. Like, I love silent movies, so... It made me laugh, because there was some animals who appeared to be humping each other. <laughs> um, but they're not. It's no. just your filthy mind. It was quite funny, though. I thought it was quite funny. But yeah, it's, it's pretty much the story of it. Shortened. Yep. But changed, also. Not changed. It's probably more true to the book. And then there's other ones. There was the uh, His Majesty, the Scarecrow of Oz. But there's a bunch of these. Uh, so like I say, it's for the completists, because there's a lot of these silent movies in there. Um, and then... And it's good for a film history person. I love film history, and I think you don't realize where we are now. Just like you with video games, right? You were actually around... When they were. The whole When they thing. started, yeah. right? I wasn't around in the late 1800s, but I've studied film way back then. And I think maybe that's why when I watch Transformers, I hear people complain about it and it's stupid in the story. And I kind of agree. But when I'm looking at it, just like you with games that look awesome, you're just like, my God, 
where have we come from? Yeah. It's like incredible what I'm looking at. So when you're looking at those old, old silent movies, if you appreciate it the way, like if you love this, like the art of making films and that, that kind of storytelling, I'm, I'm like kind of captivated by it. And interestingly enough, I saw this Blu-ray set, um, like I was looking around for to buy this, uh, you know, this blue. Not for me to. We've already got one, but to to see what what this costs. And I looked around all over the place, Amazon and stuff, and they all had, you know, less than retail price. But I I found it really cheap on uh, if you go to wiz- thewizardofoz.com, which is Warner's official site, and link off to the shop. They have an official shop, and they're selling it for fifty dollars on there. The Blu-ray. Considering you get that watch and everything, you consider and that you book? get the watch, Two the books. book, the whole thing, the six-hour documentary, which isn't with any other version. All the other movies, all the extras. yeah, I think it's actually really. If you've never place. bought any Wizard of Oz anything before, no, yeah, exactly. Or if you have, and you have to have everything. And if you're a young parent and you've seen it a couple times in your life, because you're not that into it, and you've got little kids, I think you should introduce. And it I to think Karen Love went into everything, including like just like take this out of the box. It's all silver, and yeah, you know, you can tell it was. Uh, it wasn't just a slapdash to put that together. Like when I open a, a Blu-ray some weeks and I say, oh, look at this. It's and just the fact that they are not selling it for like $200 is kind of a good thing. Because you know me, I'll bet you moan about the price of anything. Yeah, so um, I, you know, not only is that one of the best looking Blu-rays I've ever seen, I think that's one of the best presented. The price is right. You know, I mean, $50 is a lot for a movie, but if it's for the fans of the movie. And to me, it's $50. For every, if you spent all the time invested to look at everything in that box, and it's worth it to me, that's value for money. I wouldn't spend a hundred. I wouldn't spend eighty. Now it is supposed to be around eighty, I believe, but obviously. It's but if you can go to their actual cut. shop and buy it, what it also does for me, it sparks more interest in me to go back and look at thirties and forties movies starring those people. So that's worth it. It sparks an interest in me in to go get my box out and look at my stuff. And possibly, you know, so... I, 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 I think like... It's a wonderful... I, I like when something's got some effort put into it. Because class. there's so many Blu-ray movies that I open the thing and say, Oh, look, it's a silver disc with blue writing. And that's it, a plastic box. Like, nothing went into it. See, I don't feel like th- this... Yeah, because... You might get like a big budget movie and you know, you feel it when you're looking at the box and the packaging, which I don't really care about necessarily. I care more about the content, but you know, they want to invest as little as possible so they can make as much. But if this is $50 for everything that's crammed in there, two books, all that time, all that research, all that stuff. And and the nice box. An amazing looking movie. And the watch, did I say the watch? Yeah. And the movie itself. I mean, to me... That is worth $50. Yeah, so, you know, it's the 70th anniversary Ultimate Collector's Edition. Like I say, I looked around on the web and it seemed to me the best deal was Warner's official site, which is interesting because the official sites are usually the worst place to go. Yeah. So, um... I think they understand. Yeah, I do. Um, You know, they've got movies that, like, Gone with the Wind, and they're movies that people want they're to epic. collect. Yeah. I mean, they don't just want a crappy... They want something for their, you know... I don't know what Gone with the Wind... Because you can only watch... If you watched a movie two or three hundred times, you can be in love with that movie endlessly, right? Forever and ever. But if you're truly in love with it, just like a person, you don't just fall in love with what you're looking at. You want to know more and more. I want to know everything about behind the scenes. I want to know how this person got hired. I want to know what it was like on the set. I want to know... Yeah. You know. And you get to... You get, you get a lot of that, yeah. yeah. 
Um, you also, you know, also if you want to actually check out what is in that box, I've actually put some photographs up on aschoolie.com. Oh, yeah. If you're on the main page, I've got an un- unboxing video, not video, unboxing photograph where you'll see all the. I, I took photographs of it. Nice. Uh, so yeah, um, Wizard of Oz Ultimate Collector's Edition. Totally. I mean, it's not my favorite movie ever. It totally. It's in. It's a film history. It's a piece of. History. It totally is. Then there are going to be people who be like, I never watched it. I don't give a shit. And that's fine. Um, you know. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing, but that's fine. No, but um, when I opened this box this week, because it came just, you know, when I said I didn't have a movie for this week and I, it came in the mail, I was like, what's this? I pulled it out of the big box. I was like, ooh, you're going <laughs> to like that one. So, um, yeah, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, but then again, it won't be for everybody. Correct. But if you have any you inkling, know who you are. any interest in the Wizard of Oz at all, it's your week to go and Correct. grab it again. You're probably on five versions of it, but there's another one, <laughs> the best one you've got. So uh, I have the VHS and a DVD. Have you still this. got the VHS? I think it's in the box of stuff. Yeah, probably. So uh, thanks to Warner for sending that our way, and I'm looking forward now to the Gone with the Wind special edition Me because I, I literally have not seen that one. And if they give it this kind of treatment, it'll be that'll be cool. Is that a black and white movie? It's not. It's actually cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. So um, thank you to Warner. Uh, contest go. I've got quite a few new contests up this week. So if you want to win a copy of next week's review movie, for instance, which is really funny because we're going from Wizard of Oz, which is like, you know, fluffy, happy sentimental and then what's the next one next one is Sam Raimi's new movie Drag Me to Hell <laughs> which I'm very excited about also because I'm a massive Sam Raimi fan so and yeah it's very different to this yeah, week's yeah. movie but <laughs> if you want to win a copy of sentimental Drag Me, in another way so if you want to win a copy of Drag Me to Hell also go to com. we've got a few, few new contests but you can win Drag Me to Hell um, and that will be next week's Blu-ray disc movie um, yeah I was going to say maybe because it's not out for two weeks. I do not have a copy yet, but it is due this week. So if, barring an emergency, it will be. This is happening frequently. You need to get on top. We need to just start scheduling movies you have. No, I like to uh, actually um, cover a movie on its week of release if yeah. possible. And sometimes it's hard to do it because film companies are... Sometimes they send it two weeks in advance. Sometimes they send it a day after it comes out. It's really difficult. So uh, movie recommendations for this week. Um, my movie recommendations... Based on The Wizard of Oz. Based on sentimentality. And The Wizard... Well, the first one, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the... A.K.A. It's not called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory here, is it? It's called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, Is that right? Willy Wonka. Oh, just Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka and the Candy Factory? (laughs) (laughs) I call it Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Obviously, I'm not as attached to that one. I didn't watch that one until I was an adult. I think it's... To me... It's fantastic. It's it, it's like a Wizard of Oz. Obviously, it's a musical slash colorful slash you know weird. Yeah, be. I really like it. I think I, I oh I love with Gene. Uh, what's his face? Yeah, it, it, we're not talking about a British version. We're talking about the movie. It's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But for us, it's I'm not talking about Tim Burton's, Burton's version either because I no, no. I absolutely do not like Tim. Burton. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to. I was absolutely stoked for that movie because I loved. What is the name of that freaking movie in America? I feel embarrassed. It's probably just called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, right? 
In, in, anyway, in England, it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Okay, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which, funnily enough, is coming to Blu-ray, courtesy of Warner Brothers, also this month sometime. Ooh. So maybe we will cut A big them. box like that? No, it's just a normal. Oh, see, that's a perfect one. I want to know it all is. the stuff about that. So I put down Charlie and the Chocolate Factory because it's one of those movies I can watch over and over again. Um, I love the songs. I kind of know it off by heart. It's fun. It's kind of creepy. Um, what's he called? Gene... I forget his name. Oh, me too. It's not, not Gene, Gene Simmons. <laughs> and it's not Gene, Gene Wilder. Ha- yeah. Gene um, Wilder. Yeah, he plays, you know, Mr. Willy, Willy Wonka. Wonka. Um, I just love the story. I just, I can, you know, winning a prize in a chocolate bar. It's just a cool, <laughs> it's just a cool I think deal. I've seen it maybe twice. You, yeah, you probably, well, the original. Yeah. You saw the, yeah. See, I don't not like, when I was a I kid. I don't like that Tim Burton one. No, um, I've seen the original twice. That's it. Right, and but only the, as an adult. The other movie I wanted to recommend, which is like my version of your Wizard of Oz, like childhood memories, is Star Wars. And I said to you earlier, I don't mean Star Wars. I mean A New Hope Star Wars. That is Star Wars to me. Just that one movie. Episode four. I mean, yes, I love them all, but... Um, when that movie, if if you were to pop that in in our in the living room right now and sit down and it would start, dun, 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 yeah, I just watch dun, it all the way through. Dun, dun, dun. Just like me with the lion coming on in the sepia tune. I said, "This is just like me with Star Wars." Because as soon as that came on, I was just like, "Ugh, slobbery!" Like, and while I'm on this podcast, because I know um, George Lucas listens to this podcast, <laughs> could I just uh, say, could you please put out Star Wars on Blu-ray for me, please? In a big Just box. that one. <laughs> all of them in a nice big box with all kinds of materials. For $20. And a watch. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> and a watch. <laughs> so your recommendations are? How about, do you want a lock of his hair? No. He's got a lot. He has. And to he's, spare. <laughs> he has. No, I don't. Actually. My recommendations are I refuse to recommend this week because there is nothing for me that compares. There's nothing I can think of on the same sentimental level that's in the same... There are going to be some that are better from that time period, but none. I'm going to recommend that you watch all the extras. You watch the Dreamer of Oz, watch the big documentaries, get the... However, if it's your friend who bought it and you want to go watch it for free, rent it, whatever. That's my recommendation. I think you should watch the six-hour documentary because it is over there. I will. To watch. I mean, you could. don't have to watch it all in one go. You can just, right. you know, remember. I it. plan on it. So, um, yeah, and that's the history of MGM, which is... If you're a film person, if you're into yeah. film, I mean, I love the- it. chronicles the entire studio history. Which I mean, that's going through. Warner have made a lot of important movies over the time. And it what goes was all MGM, up- right? Yeah, MGM. It goes all the way up to the 1980s as well. From yep. till they got gobbled up. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's um, recommendations for this week. Uh, games and A school. <laughs> okay, so now we did just watch a classic musical. I'm yeah. not sure that you would be qualified to perform and or write anything for a musical. No. I don't think so either. Well, I, I did write that. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to mention this week before I get into games, uh, we've been watching some more True Blood. Not which enough. is HBO's vampire show. We'll watch some more this week. Um, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm really enjoying it. We got to a big point where... Um, Something really weird. Yeah, just I don't happened. want to say it. No, I'm not going to say anything. But we're at the we're near. We're getting towards the end of season one. Let's say that um, it's getting better as it goes along. It's still not the best thing ever. It is indulgent fun. 
Don't come to this show thinking that you're watching some kind of like. No, it's no highbrow. Awesome. It's no, not highbrow. No, 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 no. It is a show about vampires in modern life, and, and it's pretty I good. love vampire stuff. So I just let it go. Like get you know, take off the hat that tells you how you know lame some things might be, and just enjoy it. And it is enjoyable. I love watching two or three in a row. Yeah, I do. That's uh, the only way. Also, Dexter season uh, four starts tonight on Showtime. Awesome. Um. You're looking forward to that? Yeah, I love Dexter, and uh, I'm glad it's back. Also, Curb Your Enthusiasm started back last week. What are you, some kind of, like, TV fiend? Yeah. Curb Your Enthusiasm started last week back on HBO. Second <laughs> second episode tonight, which I'll be watching a bit later on. Uh, so I've gone back and started watching all of um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I watched all the way through season one this week. The show is unbelievably funny. It's um, Some might ask, what exactly else do you do with your time, Mr. A. Scully? Besides watch TV and Just watch TV and games. Curb Your Enthusiasm's like, for me, and I'm not into American comedy, as I've said before, my favorite ever American comedy. There is nothing to touch it for me. It's every single episode. I relate <laughs> to it. It's hilarious. Every Everything that comes out of Larry David's head (laughs) I actually personally agree with I mean he's he's super inappropriate right but but he's the points he's making are like yeah why does that happen why is there a cut off that one I was watching where people like there's an unwritten rule you don't phone people up after a certain time at night because you disturb them right but who made that rule like I love the I love that. Yeah, and where, where did that cut off line? How did that happen? Like you don't call people with children after nine thirty. Yeah, like, why? Exactly. <laughs> why is it not ten thirty? Why you know, who Does that, yeah, right. And when you ask people, like he went around asking his friends And what he was saying to the guy <laughs> to the doctor, Oh, you're gay. I didn't know didn't know you you don't seem gay and he's like, Really, Larry, what what does that mean? And his friend says, Yeah, what does that mean? And he says to the friend, to the boyfriend of the doctor, You seem a little gay to me and he's and it's you feel like, Oh my god, what are you saying? But it's like, it's what right, everybody I, thinks. Right, you think but he stuff just that you don't say it. and he just says it open and then he's like befuddled when people are like shocked by it's it. Very, if you've not seen Curb Your Enthusiasm and you like awkward <laughs> if you like The Office, for instance, um, English Office in particular, awkward, very uncomfortable moments, one after another, because that's what Curb Your Enthusiasm is. I mean, it's literally like there can be three of those very awkward moments in one half an hour episode. He kind of pokes, pokes, pokes at the idea of political correctness and why are we being delicate about this? Because he's I not understand. delicate about anything. No. I mean, he's not out to be mean and malicious or anything ever. It just is kind of natural. And so, the, and you have said that you always would see the start of Seinfeld where he's talking on stage and then turn the channel. I'm telling you, because he wrote it, you will find things in it that totally reflect what you're seeing. I mean, it's a different thing because it's an ensemble cast of, you know, different people. But I'm telling you. But what I really like yeah, about Kirby like Enthusiasm is how he kind of mixes real life and mm-hmm. made up stuff also. Um, you know, if, you know, he has Ted Danson as his friend, as his friend, who's his it. friend in real life. And it's just, Richard it's just Lewis. really, yeah, really cleverly done, I think. And it's like, you know, we're talking like season one was many years ago. I mean, it's probably been done to death now, but he's still going with this thing. I mean, we've got a new season coming on now. And when I said to you, we, we watched the new season on HBO last weekend. We watched the, the first se- the first episode of yeah. season seven, and I said to you, this is before I'd gone back to watch season one again, I said to you, oh, I bet season one's not as good. 
is exactly the same. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's boring because it's the same. I'm saying the level of quality of it is the same. Like, I was thinking, it's probably probably have to grow into this. Yeah, it's probably worked its way up to this. No, part. it's not. It, from the very first one, which I was laughing at. There's some... It's brilliant, anyway. I hear you laughing, and you don't laugh at stuff. No. You're, it's very, just, you're very snobby, and you're very uh, highbrow about what you think is funny. My favorite, so mo- my favorite moment David, in season one. I'm just like, one. what could he possibly have said or done this time that make you laugh out loud? Well, my favorite moment in season one, as I explained to you this morning, I'll just quick briefly, <laughs> was um, Larry had to put an obituary in the newspaper <laughs> for, his, say the word? for his wife's... Um, Aunt. Yeah. A-U-N-T. So the obituary says, like, beloved mother... Um, Great... Great. C-U-N-T. Aunt. Great aunt, right? <laughs> right? So he goes and puts it in, and not not nothing of his fault, the printer gets it wrong, and it says, Beloved mother, great cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he, you know, he's coming back to the house when the entire morning, all the people in the, mor- in the what do you call that, the wake, mm-hmm. they're all in his house, you know, eating sandwiches and being depressed. And they've all read this thing, and he comes back, and they're just all on him, like, you know, like it's his fault. But it's just hilarious. Think little moments like that, which are just, it's just... Let's just explain. In England, the C-U-N-T word is quite common. It doesn't offend people as badly. It kind of rolls off the tongue for some people. It's not that way in America. So the fact that you just say it and rolls off your tongue, it's not you being, like, this horrible misogynistic... No. Woman hater. It's just British. That's how people interpret that word. So he's just. That's why it's particularly funny to you because you see the American tension caused by that word when you're thinking like, you know, it's just it's, just it's, that whole deal of like <laughs> it being in an obituary is so funny. It's just. <laughs> so yeah, that's Gerber enthusiasm. Uh, Dexter, True Blood, and the American Office is back also. Um, mm-hmm. That started a couple of I think of I'm losing my interest, but we'll see as it no, goes I, st- on. I still kind of like it, but there again, I've always had a more of a, uh, you British. know, either, either for the British one or for something a bit more. Cover Enthusiasm is right on my alley because it's actually adult also. Like, it's yeah. not sanitized for TV, is it? You know, they say what they want, they do what they want on it. I prefer that kind of thing. I think that's why I like True Blood as well. Um, games I've been playing this week uh, Halo 3 ODST less said about that the better awesome. I did play it through Is that, isn't that enough? me and my uh, friend played it through um, it was absolutely awful <laughs> um, I, I said to we finished it on uh, well we finished it completely on Friday and I said to my friend uh, I'm going to put that away now right at the bottom of my collection because I don't really want it to come back up to the surface. I, you know, I'm done with it. It's the last time it's going in there. So, that's ODST. Other games I've been playing is uh, on the Wii. Uh, Dead Space Extraction, which you actually saw... Um, I played a level of it while you were around. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a new Wii game uh, by EA. And it's the prequel to the Xbox 360 PlayStation 3 game of last year called Dead Space. Which I really loved. You're, you're this miner on a... Um, a spaceship and something went wrong in the in Dead Space. Well, this is the prequel explaining how that got to happen. Right. Um, now, it's very different because they call it a guided experience, which usually puts up alarm bells to me because I'm like, okay. Meaning which means you're on a rail. Meaning on-rails shooter where you're, it's basically a shooting range, like a haunted house ride almost. Right. That's you how get I in, see You get in the train car and it takes you through. Yeah. And, and you all you're doing is 
pointing and shooting. Yeah, exactly. You're not moving the character. But I think they did it really well. I think um, what what they did really well with it, normally, I mean, House of the Dead, for instance, I was thinking of, that's another one like that. It walks and you shoot stuff. Now, there's no story in those games. There's zombies popping up, you shoot them. Now, this, you're in the perspective of, of these people with you who are talking to you the entire time, looking at you, saying things, handing you things, telling you to do things. I felt like I was really absorbed into yeah. it, you know? Good voice acting. Yeah, really well. Like, you feel like you're in a story, and I stopped thinking about controlling the guy and just, like... Kind of takes the pressure off of you having to control the person. Then you're everywhere. focused on what the, the storytelling is. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, sometimes you might ignore what people are saying because you're too busy looking for something in an event, or, oh, there might be a secret thing over here, so I'm not really listening. But you really are, like, listening because they're looking at you. There's parts where you've, you're, you're a uh, welder, like... Um, that's what you, that's your job on this space station. So there's parts where like you're having to weld things together or like fix something, you know, and it's it's a cool game. And funnily enough, it's I think it's the best looking Wii game yet. Looks good, yeah. It actually looks looks a little bit old school to me, but obviously it's it look, not as yeah. This I mean, this it reminded some, me of Resident Evil for some reason. Yeah, may, maybe better looking than original Resident or Half Life. Is that the one with the crazy? Mutated yeah. people, yeah. But anyway, it's a cool game, and yes, it is um, on basically an on rails thing. But that don't actually let that put you off because it it tells the entire story of Dead Space before you get to the to the game that you've already played. So I always like that kind of deal. Yeah. Um, and I've also been playing. I've got to have a special mention for this one, Jeff Minter, <laughs> who is yeah. my pretty much. I. I don't know. You're Dorothy Gale. My favorite game. <laughs> my favorite game of all time, and I've wrote this down on the website in my list of favorite games is Tempest 2000 by Jeff Minter, which is it's an old arcade game that he remade. It's, it blows me away. Now, I had, I wasn't keeping an eye on what he was doing. I mean, he did Space Giraffe on um, the Xbox 360 last year on the arcade, which I loved. But I wasn't keeping an eye on what he was doing, and then Wednesday this week. I saw something about a new game by Jeff Minter called Grid Runner Revolution, which is a remake of one of his very first games. And I thought, oh, that'll be cool. I wonder when that's coming out. I went to his website. It's coming out tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, no way, because that's like, you know, usually you get the snippets of game yeah. news and then you have to wait 12 months, don't you, for the game. I was like, no. So I went and placed my PayPal order for the game because you can buy it straight from his site. I think it was $20 for... You got the new game and Space Giraffe for the PC. It's a PC game this time. Right. You've um, never played Giraffe on the Not on the PC. PC, so now I own both, which is cool, because I love to just have them on my desktop and launch them and play them when I want. Um, so, okay, Tempest 2000 has been my favorite game for a long time. I think that Grid Runner Revolution is actually better. Mm. It's more... It's, it's more it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's really crazy. I said to you, can you actually tell what's going on here? It, no, no, no. It looks beautiful, though. It's like... Um, cool sound, a light cool show. music. Like, I could imagine playing it in the dark, you know, with your headphones on, because it has amazing music. It's hard to explain what it is, but he does have a... And you don't do any drugs, and you still totally no. appreciate this game. No, I'm sure Jeff... <laughs> I don't know anything about Jeff. I mean, I've talked to Jeff Minter a couple of times on Twitter this week, which... The power of Twitter. I just think it's so cool. Like, he's been a hero of mine. Like, since I had a computer back in the day in the 80s. 
Jeff Minter games, whenever they came out, I was, you know, he did one called Revenge of the Mutant Camels, which was a big, like, it's, it's, you know, epic game from back in the day. But, you know, I've always been into him. And this week I actually managed to speak to him twice on Twitter. I mean... Well, you posted something directed at him and then he I posted private, back. I direct messaged him. Oh, right. And I thought he, you meant he, you just directed No, he answered me back twice. Like, so, you know, I told him I'd bought his game and he's my hero. I said that. I oh mean, my God. straight up said it. <laughs> I, I, you know. That's like a Larry David moment right there. You'd yeah. be like, you told him what? <laughs> yeah. And then he How messaged back and said, you know, that that's really cool and I'm glad, you know, I hope you enjoy it. And then I sent a message back telling him that I really like the controls on the... I was playing on the joypad and I switched to the mouse and I instantly got much better. And then he messaged me back saying, I kind of made it for the mouse and that's right. how you should play it. Which was really cool. I mean, just to speak to somebody. like See, I think you could actually have a little dialogue with Kevin Smith too because he's one of your yeah. film people. I mean, he's a contemporary. I was just saying the power of Twitter. You actually get to speak to somebody you, in a million years, would never have said anything to ever. Sure. Um, so... He has got a demo of this game available with like three levels and then you can just buy it straight from the game with PayPal and unlock it with a code. So if you want to just try it out, it's called Grid Runner Revolution and it's at Llamasoft, which is, you know, Alarm. L-L-A-M-A. Yeah, .co.uk and it's right there on the front page. So, just, or like, just, just look up Jeff. And Jeff Minter is literally a guy who makes games from his house. He's not really involved in the big scheme of things. He's not working for Activision or anything like that. The money he makes from PayPal on a game is like kind of the money he makes. His so, job. So I'm really into that kind of, you know, give, I mean, $20. We bought a few of those recently. Yeah, just, I mean, if somebody like that makes it $20 from me and I have fun with his game, then I like that relationship rather than I give $60 to EA for some game that I never, Right. you know, not really, it's all right. But, you know, I know I'll have fun with this game. So yeah. That's, Halo. <coughs> Yeah, Halo. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, there's no, you know, joy. No, I feel like I got more joy out of me twenty dollars anyway. Uh, Good run revolution. Uh, what have you got for this week? What have I got? What's for dinner? I'm going to be making a mushroom tart. It was going to be mushroom asparagus, but when I got the asparagus home today, it was absolutely rotting. It did smell disgusting. like ass. <gasps> it smelled like rotting tomatoes or potatoes. Oh, horrible. I don't know why I didn't smell it in the store. I guess you're in the store. You don't... I opened the fridge earlier and... Uh, it's not... It was never in the fridge. What was in there then? It's just a lot of vegetables are sitting in there. Vegetables do have a rank smell sometimes. After a while. Uh, mushroom tart. I'm going to make some sage stuffing, which I just thought sounded really yummy. And uh, some sweet potatoes slash potatoes on the side. And a plum slash grape pie, which I'm going to invent. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Plum slash grape pie. And I don't really have anything else to discuss, except that this year you asked me if, I'm going, if I want to record uh, Survivor, and this is the first year I have said no. I have no interest whatsoever. Yeah, interesting. Um, I went off Survivor a couple... Just like with The Office. I mean, I like it and I'll watch it every week if we have it saved. But if I miss it or we forget a few weeks, I wouldn't be desperate to watch it again. So what you know what I like about The Office? It lasts 20 minutes. Yeah, true. It's brief. Really brief. It's just once a week when we've, you know... Eaten dinner or something. Yeah, it's kind of fine to watch it. I don't find it absolutely hilarious. I think it kind of lost something at some point. It goes up and down. Some yeah, episodes I also think you watch, or in an episode even of itself, mm. one thing you just be like, "Oh my god, that's hilarious!" And then, but that's how everything is. I think that we just try to suck the blood out of everything, and something True like blood. True Blood. 
doesn't start off on a high horse. It doesn't start out claiming to be a great piece of entertainment uh, quality, whatever. It is what it is. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, that's really all I have. I'm draw, put another couple drawings on my site. You I'm know. going to put an, epi- uh, an episode, a recipe for crullers, which is what Aunt M serves to the farmhands and to Dorothy before the storm hits. Maybe you should also put that on the show notes for this week's After the Show. Put that recipe in the bottom there. Yeah, well, it's yeah. an old-fashioned recipe. I'll I'm put not, it in your review. I'm not putting a new fancy recipe. I'm putting the old-school yeah, 18, 1899 recipe. Because it definitely applies to this movie. Yeah, totally. Um, oh, my last thing. I'm going to a Renaissance Festival this coming weekend. As as far as I week. know. Right. Yeah. This coming weekend. Because this is the end of this Does weekend. that affect after the show? No. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I mean, so we can tell the... Now, we, that was a Larry David moment. Because, like, regardless of the fact that I'm going to spend a day with my niece and my mother and as a new experience, your first reaction is, how's it going to affect me? No, I'm, I'm oh, talking... Oh, no. That's no, not me. That, these people. No, it will not affect it. I've arranged so it will not affect you. Good. It's Saturday, and I'll be back Saturday night or Sunday morning, and then we'll do our thing on Sunday. Oh my god, you're hilarious. <laughs> I've decided I want to maybe find clothes that are appropriate. Now, I'm not into Renaissance. Wear a suit of armor. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not a That's a little pre-Renaissance, I believe. No. Uh, that's old e- middle e- medieval, mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, I, le- I looked up the Renaissance. I didn't know. Re- I've never really studied it or know. I only know it in relation to art, you know, the era. And figured out when it was and what the clothes look like and stuff. And I could I could get into that Suits for a of day. armor, I say. I think I'll wear, like, a prostitute outfit. That would be my choice. Well, like, with my boobs all pushed up and hanging out with little vesty thing. <laughs> like, like a barmaid, but, like, the slutty version where you have your front kind of open and your hair's kind of disheveled and... And crotchless pants and no, <laughs> no. No, no, I'll be wearing chainmail underwear if you want to wear a suit of armor. But uh, I already have socks. I have this dress, this skirt that I'll probably just put like a weird apron on the front of. And I, but I want, I want to find one of those bustier thingies. You know, push your boobs up and then you wear like the poofy sleeves and then so, wear like a pirate belt. So I just belt. hope it's not freezing and raining. <laughs> I don't even know if it's going to happen, but I just, for some reason, I thought that would be kind of fun. And I'm totally not that. Never have done anything like that before, but it'd be really funny for my mom to show up and have literally a everybody like that. that is going to be in. I don't think. I think it's not as extreme as that. I think the people with the booths and stuff will be, right. and some people. Trouble is, you go dress like that, and everybody wants to have the photos took with you. You know, like at conventions. I don't think so. The girls I think there'll be a lot of the similar outfits. Yeah. Of people who are working the ferry, you know, so Renaissance Festival. I'll report on it next week if indeed it does happen. Well, it will happen, right? You've already as far as arranged. I know, oh, this is my mother and my niece we're talking about. Anything can happen. Right. Anyway, thank you for listening to the show. just want to remind you about com, our website, where you can, uh, well, you already know about it because you probably went there to get this. Um, SidTalk.com, which is your site. Twitter.com, we're both on there. SidTalk or Scully, you can find us there. Um, Facebook, Xbox Live, you can also find us there. Just go on uh, com for details. You can find this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, the iTunes Music Store, or the RSS feed. Just go to com, click on the word podcast, listen to the podcast there if you don't like using iTunes or Zoom. You can also subscribe to it on your Google iGoogle and then listen from there, I believe. Yeah, you can, because that's just RSS, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, you will be able to. Um, that's inter- Yeah, you can do it with any podcatcher. I, I, I say three of them every week. But if you've got something that handles RSS... 
Even Outlook will actually mm. bring our podcast to you every week if you've got Outlook 2007 version. Just add us as an RSS feed and it'll come in as an email and you just click it to play it. And I know we mention it, but I don't think we highlight enough. There's always a written review of the same movie every week. comes out Wednesday night sometime, or Thursday, sometimes later. No, it's, th- it's scheduled for Thursdays now and it's yes. Thursday. Yeah, so if you want to actually read about more... It's not a transcript of what we've said. It no, is something it's something completely different. I write it. I write the ones for the podcast. Someone else writes the other ones. Yeah. But um, and this I, one will I include... also um, write about the technical aspects. Correct. Of the you write about your impressions of the audio transfer, audio. and I will include some other just fun things this time because I can't review this movie, not really. So there'll be other stuff like the Corolla recipe and some other Wizard of Oz and. Well, we'll make things. sure we at least list all the extras in. Yes, the... I will discuss all the extras. Which I well, have... maybe yeah. not every single one. No, but, but I mean, well, <laughs> the, 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 there will be a, a full list in that review of everything you get in this book. And I thought I will find as many links for actual Wizard of Oz fanatics and put them in my review as well, like to sites that are dedicated by people who do go to conventions and all that kind of stuff because if you are a completist you might want you might be interested in that stuff. Yeah and this week go to thewizardofoz.com because they've got a lot of stuff going on there because of this yeah. uh, there's a contest and stuff. Um, so yeah um, you can email feedback to ascoli at com. you can don't email uh, Dorothy at Dorothy dot com <laughs> Dorothy at rubyslippers.com that's Sid Talk's address. <laughs> Uh, that probably is somebody's address. Probably. Um, and I just want to say, uh, stay classy uh, Toto, because Toto got manhandled in that movie. He did. Well, uh, I feel, that like, is one I feel thing. like that might have been a time in filmmaking history before animal rights activists became involved. I did notice that Toto, like this is, He's I didn't notice it as extremely attentive. Much. He was grabbed. He was pushed under people's arms. He was... Yeah, he was he was grabbed and a little up. nervous when yeah, you really look at the poor little thing. I, that was a little thing. I, I, was I think thinking. I think it's absolutely fantastic though. I don't know how many times it took them to get it right, but when she sings over the rainbow and she sat on the tractor and it sat on the little tractor seat, <laughs> just absolutely obedient, holding its little paw the entire song, <laughs> and she's ignoring him because she. I'm assuming if she looks at him, he kind of wants to jump on her, so she's kind of ignoring him. But it's absolutely perfect. I don't it know is. if that was a first take thing or what. Or how oh, they had him chained to the seat. I know. Or glued. I don't want to think about how they used to make animals behave <laughs> because it's awful. I think he was super glued to the seat. I don't know. It was pretty cool. Though. I, I was watching it thinking, that's charming, but he's probably being tortured. <laughs> <laughs> that's not funny. It is. Not, I mean, that's why we have animal rights people yeah. on the set of movies today because I feel like, and this could be completely false. I could be completely wrong, but I feel like that might have been pre- Animal rights era. So, yeah. so yeah. stay classy, Toto. And we know that Toto actually died in the 40s. Correct. 1944. Yeah. I and I'm going to say, think for yourself, everyone. Except when it comes to this movie. And I'm going to tell you what to think. No. Think for yourself. Because if you don't, somebody is going to do it for you. <laughs>